Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casseleline, the French football podcast with the accent brought to you by Breaking the Lines, curated football opinions. Jump on breakingthelines.com to read all the latest articles. Uh, there's a good one about Graham Potter actually and, and how uh, a coach that used to be a, a globetrotter is now um, you know, at the head of one of the most successful teams of the Premier League. Uh, there's an article about Joe Pedro from Watford, who's worth uh, the look and a good analysis about the popularity of soccer in Canada. Soccer, as, as they call it, I'll call that football here. Uh, but the Canadian national team, um, actually a team that could make some waves at the World Cup. And it's it's worth um, reading all this, of course. Uh, go and listen to all the other podcasts as well. Ara Dirigore, Cortalinias, Tactics Room and Road to the World Cup, of course. Uh, all on the Breaking the Lines media or under the Breaking the Lions umbrella, depending how you want to say that. Anyway, today we are in, of course, the Ligue 1 podcast, uh, Casse les Lignes, and I'm going to be joined by Baptiste from Le Classic Pod. You'll find him on Twitter, at Le Classic Pod. And we're going to discuss, I guess, a little bit of Match Day 8, but also um, make a first sort of debrief of the beginning of the season. Eight games have been played, another seven games, and it's the World Cup, so we're halfway through the breaks, so or quarter through the season, really. And, and we can already talk about a few, a few things, Lorient being, uh, I guess, the surprise of the beginning of the season, and Lorient is going to be the team that we'll talk about for the first 10-15 minutes of the pod. And then we'll kind of look at, I guess, what we said at the beginning of the season in our preview and, and what it translates um, to now. So, um, you know, is both really the right person for Lyon? Is Galtier um, doing well with Paris Saint-Germain? We'll talk about the referees a little bit as well and all the controversy going on. Uh, Tudor and Marseille, a great start, but is that going to uh, to stay? And you'll hear the word sustainability quite a bit when we talk about Marseille. Um, and then also, you know, Genesio at Rennes and Stefan at Strasbourg. We'll talk about those, mainly those, those five, six teams uh, and we'll quickly recap the the results of the weekend as well. Uh, anyway, Casse les Lignes, it starts now. Baptiste and Jeremy Magan, your host. Thank you for being here. We start after the music. Here we are. Match day eight of Ligue 1 is just over. This is the last, I guess, international break before the World Cup. And, and we're going to talk about what those first eight games have meant in Ligue 1 for us and, and a little bit about match eight, uh, match day eight, excuse me. And, and I'm not by myself. I'm with Baptiste from Le Classic Pod. How are you, Baptiste? I'm great, Jeremy. Thanks as ever for having me on. And uh, yeah, good weekend of football. So happy to be talking about it with you today. Thanks for, for, for giving me some of your time. And uh, it's, it's not published as a video, but you should see Baptiste's amazing Australian jersey, the, the Socceroos <laughs> represented in, in England. Great homage. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, there, there is, of course, a, an international break right now. I mean, offline, it's funny. We were talking about, we can't remember if it's friendly game or, or the Nations League. That's how much Nations League means, mm. I guess, for, for everyone. But France is going to play against... Australia on Friday, uh, on Thursday night, I should say, in, in Europe, and uh, Denmark on uh, on Sunday night. And I guess uh, more than anything, maybe the, the thing that matters, the, maybe the one topic that could be interesting is playing Denmark one last time before uh, France face them on the World Cup. We'll see, depending on how the week goes. Mm. Maybe we'll do a, 
a special one on on France, but uh, but I'm not not a fan of those um, international breaks anymore. It just has lost a little bit of its uh, of its flavor. Uh, but, but let's talk about what that what hasn't lost any flavor and what actually is getting more and more interesting. Uh, it's it's Liga, uh, Liga. So we're eight games in. Uh, we still have um, PSG at the top of the uh, table. Surprisingly enough, you'll tell me. Although. And we're going to get that later. We maybe aren't really convinced yet by what they do. Uh, but we have three teams undefeated, Paris, uh, Marseille, and Lens. Uh, and we have one team who hasn't won yet, Strasbourg. Uh, but we have, I guess, mm. some somehow a, a tight um, Ligue 1. And we're going to, to talk about, I guess, the team that is the surprise uh, earlier in Ligue 1, uh, Lorient. Uh, before we go to, to all the games of the weekend, I wanted to take a bit of time um, for you, Amy, to, to discuss Lorient. Lorient, who has won six games, drew one and lost one uh, in, their, in their first eight games. And, and Lorient, who was also the subject of one of the questions that we had on uh, Twitter, question asked by um, Dieter Van Goot. I'm going to find it in front of me because I can't find it for a second. And there it is. What's the main difference between Lorient of this season and Lorient of past season? And and uh, and then the second part of the question, we're going to go back later to. Uh, but, but you, you've you obviously followed a little bit what Regis Lebris is mm. doing, uh, Baptiste, and we talked about Lebris uh, in our um, yeah. season preview when he came to to new coaches uh, in Liga. How, how good is that start? I mean, I mean, what else oh. would you want, you know? Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, I, I think we were quite cautiously optimistic when we did a previous podcast on, on the new managers of which Regis Lebris is one, but didn't expect this particular start third after eight games, uh, only one defeat and, uh, and they've played really, really good football doing it as well. And I think that's partly the difference between last year and this season is just the ambition that, that they've shown. I, I think as well, the, you know, it's not just the ambition is you have a manager who, coaches his players on the pitch every day that's the feeling you get from watching them and and from his background so that's not to say that his predecessor Pelissier wasn't you know um drilling his players or giving them instructions but the growth that we're seeing in a lot of those players means that he's unlocking something at the moment Lubris, and that's that's the most impressive part i mean um you know everybody was high on enzo lefe last year and over the last few years, everybody's been, you know, earmarking him as one of the uh, one of the talented youngsters. But you know, he was only showing glimpses, and he was playing in quite not the def- not a defensive role. But you know, he was having to defend quite a lot. He wasn't given a lot of freedom. This is completely a completely different player this year, and um, and I think that's what we're seeing uh, with Lebris. Is he's got a style of play that he wants to play. He's drilled them into that. He's making, he's coaching his players individually as well to grow within their roles. And that's been a sensational start so far. And I think you, you're you right about Le Fay. He's been, uh, yeah, he's been unleashed and, and he's really mm. flourishing this season uh, with Lorient. And, you know, I, we looked at those results and I was thinking, uh, have, they, have they played, you know, a big team yet? Does it matter? Because we, we get caught mm. up. Week in week out, but you know they beat Rennes on on the first game of the season on on an on goal from from Thea, sure. Uh, but mm. then they they are able to to turn their fate over against 
um, to lose. They, they were down 1-0, and then they go back to 2-1, and, and they um, they um, get a goal at the, at the very end. Uh, they were able to resist Clermont against Lens. They're down 2-0. They come back to 2-2, uh, but then they, they crack at the end, and they lose 5-2. So you see, you see this sort of... Um, um, recurring motive of they don't give up against Lorient when when they win 3-2, same thing, they are down 1-0, then they go up 3-1 and then they concede in the end uh, and then against Auxerre and, and even against Lyon, um, yeah. th- th- those are clear wins. So in those eight games, there's Nantes, there's Lyon, there's Lens uh, and there's Rennes uh, for four teams that we, everybody, I guess, um, sort of think they're going to finish at the at the top of the table. Um, mm. and, and yet, Lorient has been able to to show um, their talent. Their talent, you, you mentioned um, Lefay, but Watara. <laughs> what what is going on with with this twenty year old player? Uh, four goals and and four assists in uh, in eight games. That's that's such a, a great start for him or for, in life in Liga. Yeah, I mean, he came, he came on a bit uh, last season, right? He was he was a regular sub. Um, uh, you know, starter a couple of times. He just looked very raw and he looked a little bit overwhelmed. And I think that's the most impressive thing now is just to see him on the ball. His decision-making is so sharp. He knows what he, you know, he kind of knows what he's going to do before he gets the ball. Um, he plays within the team's identity. And I, again, I think that's, that's testament to the coaching that is taking place, whether it's Lebris or his assistants or all of them together you know, all those players play with a certain freedom and with a certain, you know, insouciance where they, they don't feel overburdened by what's facing them. Whilst you kind of felt like the dynamic at the club last year was it's all about scraping survival, which is understandable. Like, again, it's no criticism of Pellissier. He was, you know, he had a, his resources at the time. He did what best he could, but it felt very unlike their first season back in the top flight where they were kind of free-flowing, goal-scoring mm-hmm. and devil may care uh, last year they felt a bit more restricted a bit more frightened honestly and we're seeing the polar opposite this year and Watara, you know Watara is a clear example of that and the fact he's grown so much over a summer effectively is even technically just looks silkier is that that's that's really impressive but the whole the whole construct of the team, I mean, there are still players who were there last year, players who were subs last year, because I think Diaha was a sub as well on the other wing. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's just, they just look so much better structured, even defensively, apart from the mishap at, at loss, which was, you know, partly comical, frankly. Um, uh-huh. The rest the rest of the time, they've been, they've been solid and, and ready to, when needed, ready to play with their backs against the wall, but they still look to be on the front foot, which is really admirable. Yeah, because Pellissier, and, and you said it rightfully so, I think when he first starts in, in Lorient, even in, in second division, um, he, he plays, he makes his mm. team play the way we see Lebris making them play right now, which is, you know, we're not looking at a team that is necessarily um, holding possession for 90 minutes. I mean, actually, I was looking at it um, not one of those eight games they have over 50% of the possession. Yeah. Uh, but we're looking at a team that attacks quickly, that still presses high, um, that is that is happy to to go to the contact. I mean, it's interesting. I was I was digging into stats to see if you know the mm. eye test and, and the stat test match mm. and, and Lefay um is is number four 
in uh, successful tackles in, in Liga, um, right. just behind just behind Abergel, um, 21 for Abergel, 20 yeah. for Lefe. Um, but on the other side as well, um, Mofi is just behind Mbappe as far as expected goals, um, with, with 5.6 expected mm. goals. And in the expected assists, number three is Lefe with 2.5, number four is Watara with 2.4. So it's not it's not the steal. They're not here by, by mistake. They're here because they're working well um, and, and they're working as a group. And, and you said it, you know, the defensively it's going well. I mean, Mvogo, mm. I think, was a great buy at talked about it um a few a few weeks ago when i said the the the, the transfer that will make a difference this season um this weekend it, it does make a mistake but i think it brings a bit of experience that maybe wasn't there last year or at least understanding of, of the high level and he's an he's an understanding with laporte on one side and with kalulu who, who sure comes yeah. from a team who was great defensively ajaccio in in league de last year but transited very well to, to Ligue 1 um as as helped that defense being sturdier and then like we said unleashing Lefe, seeing players like um Watara and Mofi in form we all we've always known the talent that Mofi had uh, it's mm. just a matter of you know actually having the confidence to put them in the back of the net uh it, it's it's very good and and they look like they can score from any situation um which is when you're a team who's i guess as um unexpected uh, as Lorient, you want to have that kind of psychological pressure um, on, on your adversary. The, the only the only thing, I guess, is, you know, are we looking at a flash in the pan like mm. like uh, Angers last season or, or Clermont uh, or, or can they can they keep it that way? Can they, you know, I don't think they'll finish in European position, <laughs> but can, can they finish yeah. in the top 10 um, after they... After they actually start playing, I, I don't know if the bigger teams is uh, is the way to say it, but they will have at one point. I think there's a moment where they play. Yeah, they play in, in November. Uh, Paris, Strasbourg, Montpellier. Uh, sorry, Nice, Paris, uh, Strasbourg, mm-hmm. Montpellier. I should say in in successful games um, just before the World Cup. Um, it's oh sorry, Montpellier is their first game after the World Cup. Uh, so so it's going to be about can they can they survive this. Um, because because if I feel like if they can get to the World Cup break with a successful um, sequence of results, um, there's no reason for them not to keep it on after that two-month break. Yeah, I mean, look, there'll be a blip at some point. That's inevitable. It's, it's going to be a long season. And with a young team, which is to their credit at the moment, with a young team, psychologically, if things start to turn, there's always a worry that when you haven't faced that sort of adversity, it might be a real struggle to to get out of it. Um, but there's they're a very interesting club. They've got continuity in terms of personnel, right? A lot of those players were were there. I mean, you've mentioned Mvogo, you've mentioned Kalulu, um, but it still feels like the spine of the team is the same as as last year, or at least they were in and around the first team. But they have this this you know freshness with Lubris, and and when you hear him speak in press conferences, he's just so very clear. Into, into what you know and there's this i love people who have clarity of thought like that you ask a question it's straightforward and i don't mean that in terms of our people you know you know people deflecting or anything in press conferences which we're used to but it, you can tell when he tr- elaborates upon something that it's it's really thought through and it's it's borderline mechanical because they've already thought about all the all the, this so um you know the good thing with with lorient is they know where they belong and they belong Ideally for them, anything north of 16th, that's the target. That's mm-hmm. going to remain the target. 
um, they're just enjoying the ride now, and they're already pick. You know, they've got what seventeen. They've got nineteen points. That's halfway there. Half of what half of what they need, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's after eight games. You've got <laughs> you've got thirty games to to struggle through. So I, you know, I think they they're in a great spot. They should enjoy it. They're a really fun club. Great kit. Great nickname. Great ethos about that club. <laughs> you know, they're they're a fresh proposition, and it's great to see a new, you know, a new a new face, a new managerial face doing well. Yeah, they should just lap it up at the moment. And and again, that perfect example you, you you've said it offline and you said it before of if you get a coach to rise through the ranks, who knows the club, who knows um, how the club is supposed to play, who has put that system in place mm. before in the academy, then when you give that guy a chance in Ligue 1, then more often than not, he's going to succeed because he already knows the player and it fits the ethos of the club rather than uh, rather than dropping a name for the sake of, uh, of of getting a bit of PR and and hoping that, that it works. Um, a, a great example. It's, mm. it's interesting that you say that you say halfway there because as I was looking at Lorient's games to come, we're halfway through the to the, the Ligue 1 as far as um, the next the next international mm. break, which will be the World Cup. There's only seven games left yeah. before uh, before it's the World Cup. That's uh, this this Ligue 1 is uh, it's so interesting to, uh, to yeah, look at. Let, <laughs> let, let's look at this this weekend's game. And that we've spoken yeah. a little bit about Lorient. So Lorient was playing. Uh, the opening game of the weekend uh, in, in Auxerre, and they won 3-1. Uh, and then the other results, uh, Montpellier beat Strasbourg 2-0, uh, Lille beat Toulouse 2-1, uh, Monaco won in Reims 3-0, uh, Marseille-Rennes ended up in 1-1, uh, Brest-Ajaccio 1-0 for Ajaccio, the first win for the Corsican mm. club, uh, Nice-Angers, uh, a win for Angers 1-0 with the infamous uh, nine-second red card for Nice, uh, Clermont 3 with, with 3 winning uh, in Clermont 3-1, Nantes-Lens 0-0, and Paris Saint-Germain won in Lyon 1-0. A lot to talk about in those, uh, in those nine games that we haven't discussed yet. Uh, I, I, let's talk with the, the controversy and the red card story of the beginning of the season. So there's that nine-second red card for, mm. for Todibo. There's that red card that looks a bit harsh against Reims. Uh, the, the same referee who last year, last week, excuse me, put a, another controversial red card to Le Marchand from, uh, mm. from Strasbourg. He's, he's a young referee as well. Um, there's that straight away, like every single season, there's this narrative that Ligue 1 referees are just red card cowboys, and they just they just get them out. What's your, what's your feeling on that, Baptiste? Every time there's a discussion on refs, I just my initial reaction is, why would you want to do do that job? Uh, it's <laughs> it's you know, it's an inherently difficult one, and I think people kind of you know, and I know we've got VAR and stuff, but you know, it's, diff- it's difficult if you're in per- a person you're being insulted from everyone, including from the actors on the pitch to try and keep level-headed in a difficult atmosphere, I think we should maybe take a step back sometime and appreciate that that's not given. If players can lose their cool in a game, why can't a referee make a split-second decision that's the wrong one, right? Players make wrong choices all the time, and we just chalk that off as, well, you know, it's difficult, right? It's the same for referees. I mean, what I am seeing is that, and over the last few years as well, is that French referees do not, tend to be very prone to discussing matters with players 
on the pitch. And I think that's that's their downfall. And I'm not saying that they necessarily have to, but even in terms of appearances, it always looks very authoritative and and very prompt and without an inkling of wanting to listen to any sort of criticism or a, a differing view. And I think that's what that's what hurts them. I mean, you know, the the nine second red card on Todibo, I don't care what time that is, if that's the right decision, right? Unfortunately, that is the wrong decision. That happens. Well, he's not helped by VAR in this case. I know you raised that when we talked about it offline. The ref isn't helped by VAR. So he's not helped by anyone, right? Obviously, he doesn't help himself either. But um, but I think people, you know, people have focused very much on, in that case, the timing, which I don't care about. Um, and and the numbers, number of red cards, which I think, yes, is a little bit of an indication that they are prone to dishing out cards but i i haven't i don't know what the number is again but i haven't looked at all those red cards to be able to judge whether they're all appropriate <laughs> you know and i haven't looked at every game to see whether there have been some red cards that have been missed and nobody's you know nobody's putting that in the balance either so you know i'm sitting on the fence in the sense that it's just a difficult job i i get the frustration of everyone and the heightened visibility that everyone has with var and instant replay but I think they just need a little bit of help. And if I were a player or captain, I would maybe try and think as to how can I approach the next game to have a better rapport with the referees to kind of warm them up to my side of the story very quickly um, to have a better game. 33 red cards in eight games is uh, is the start in Liga. That's strong. Uh, and, yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> you know, on one hand, I, I agree with you. Like if... If 33 red cards are fouls or or mm. um, actions that deserve the red card, then there should be no conversation. Uh, mm. If if the issue is three or four red cards, like the one on Tojibo this weekend and and the one against Reims, um, they, then yes, we can have this conversation saying, "Oh well, the referees are doing what they're supposed to do." Uh, I think the the matter in in Ligue 1 is that it always feels like this is the start of the season. And that then mm. it relaxes. It already felt like last week they had decided to take a step back with what happened with Kimpembe, uh, who should have oh, that, that was, that been was given ridiculous. three red cards and, and a four match bans for. That, that's for I mean that's the, that was the easiest red card to ever give, whether that's for the tackle or the reaction. That's the and for, honestly the authorities. Sorry, but the authorities should have just stepped in and said you've got a four game ban now. Yeah, I get you're injured, but once you're back, you've got a four game ban. That's is so easy to do. But they're not backed. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but but this is. I think this is exactly what the issue is, and I agree with you. They are not backed. Uh, I, I think referees need help both sides. A from the players. The players need to just you know take a leaf out of rugby and actually respect their referees and and make sure that when the referee says something, we just say yes, we back up, we keep playing, and then we try and have a conversation because then the referees maybe will be a bit more comfortable having a conversation with the player mm -hmm. rather than being told. Just what Kipembe did, uh, hmm. something like, "Hey, brother, what do you touch me?" Um, then they need to have respect the players for the referee, and then the referees need to be backed by the institution. If they make a mistake, they need to be sat down, and this is what the mistake, and this is what you should do. And if they don't, if they miss something that should have been happened, they should have somebody coming up and speaking publicly and say, "This happened. This is what we're going to do about it. This is how we're going to deal with it." But instead, hmm. this is their 
that um yeah that like omerta that silence mm. uh, rule where they decide to just not communicate about what's going on and uh, and i think that's probably where where the most thing happens at the end of the day 33 red cards let's say that let's go wild let's say seven or eight shouldn't have happened that's down to 25 it's still a high number yeah and it no, still clearly. shows that there's indiscipline in this league and this season and there are some stupid tackles and some stuff that doesn't have they don't have their their place uh, mm. on, on the football stadium. So I think yeah, I think uh, I, I won't put everything on the referees. I think the player yeah. probably have a thing or two to do to uh, to change that rather than the referees. Mm. Yeah, no, and I get the frustration. Like if your niece, you know, you've prepped the game. If you're Todibo, you're sent off for a, it's a foul, but you're not you're not the last player. You know, clearly not. Uh, so I, I'm not minimizing the fact that they clearly have an impact on results, right? I mean, Nitsworth is still poor. I mean, there's no way yeah. they should ever lose to Ajaxio, but, um, you know, that has an impact on the results. Clearly, it always does. But I feel, yeah, I mean, I feel like, like we said, they're not, they don't even have the right to go explain their decisions post-game. They're not allowed by the federation to do that. It's crazy. I mean, then that's just scapegoating people um, very easily, and that's not surprising from the French federation that has a habit of turning a blind eye to to job they should actually be doing. Um, but you know, you're not you're not helping important actors, and I and on top of that, I think I always try to think even the concept of VAR, right? When you think about it, how can that make you serene when you make a decision? And immediately, mm-hmm. you know, rightly or wrongly, um, and obviously it's to attempt to reverse something that's been a wrong decision. I get that. But, you know, how can you be serene in your performance if within two minutes you're being told, go take a look at that monitor because you've effed up? Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, in some cases, the guy who's had the, the benefit of watching it in, in you know, slow replay over two minutes still cops out and says, please go make the decision in front of 20,000 people mm-hmm. and, and be accountable for it. Like how, how are all these elements helping refs um, and them trying to carry out their duties? That's why I think is, you know, I get it. Some refs are, I get as frustrated as others in their body language. Some of those refs, like it's not, but I think there needs to be a bit of psychology about the role that they're playing. And un- unfortunately they're not, they're not aided. Yeah, to add to that layer, if they do get the decision wrong and they reverse it, they lose points on their mm. like on their general grading of the season. Uh, so yeah, the psychological dimension of the of the job and decisions made is is definitely uh, uh, it's definitely up there. It's uh, you know kudos mm. to the referees for uh, for going on every weekend because obviously there's no game if there's no referee. So it's uh, yeah. it, it is a complicated job that we ask them to do for us to be able to enjoy uh, mm. our football. Speaking of football that uh, maybe we didn't enjoy that much, um, you've watched Nantes against Lens, uh, <laughs> probably one of the most promising game of the weekend uh, on paper, and uh, and a goal less draw, uh, and not even an mm. enjoyable an enjoyable goal less draw. Sorry. Well, you know, first half was tense, but had a few openings, and it was fun to see from a tactical standpoint. It was quite a fun first half. Certainly, there was rhythm. Um, not was you know not were quite interesting in the way they pressed. They pressed high at, at some point, and then they dropped off. Um, but the second half, second half was poor, and some of the technical, um, 
failings from some of the players in the second half were quite bewildering, actually, when they're professional football players. But um, but yeah, I was mostly disappointed with Lars, in all honesty. Like, Nod had come back from Carabag. Um, so a long trip back, you know, small squad anyway. Players are tired. And Lars were on this upwards climb, full of energy, um, you know, kind of a, a really good positive dynamic where they were sweeping everyone in their path. And they just fell flat. That that happens. That tend to perform that performance can can happen. That's excusable. They still got a draw out of it and a clean sheet. But it was just very, very flat from last. There was no creativity. You got the feeling that if Sig if Sig or Fofana didn't put on the afterburners once or twice, there would be no one driving through midfield. And um and with you know Cabo and Frankowski relatively well managed uh, by Nantes, then there wasn't much going forward for for Lance, which was disappointing. Yeah, and playing against a Nantes, Nantes team, as you mentioned, was in in Carabas this this week and and lost three zero to Carabas after losing to three two last week against uh, Lorient. You thought mm. that that was the uh, the perfect opportunity for Lance to uh, to keep their good run of result and to uh, and to try and uh, and hitch that wagon up front between Paris, mm. Marseille, and and Lorient. Um, let's talk about Paris. Uh, Paris, who, who played in Lyon and and won one zero in Lyon in again one of those uh, one of those games that could have been a higher score if it's not for uh, mm. for Gigi Donnarumma on one side or uh, or Anthony Lopez on the other, but also the miss of uh, of uh, Lacazette, for example. Uh, yeah. What what do you make of that game? And and then I, I think we're going to develop a bit more on the on the two coaches. Well, in all honesty, you got the feeling that every time PSG decided to uh turn up a gear they could have and they could have just swept aside uh Lyon. That doesn't mean Lyon didn't play particularly badly. I thought they showed a lot of heart and a lot of ambition, which was good, although their their team remains woefully unbalanced. And I don't think Cacre enjoyed being part of a midfield too with Tolisso. Um but you know I think you know PSG were there for the taking frankly Ramos and Danilo in defense that should give a lot of incentive. I was, I was happy to see that Bosch did did go for it because because there are clear gaps there. Although I'm not a huge fan of Kimpembe anyway, um, but it just it felt like it felt very easy in some in some moments for for PSG. As soon as Messi and Neymar got on the ball going forward, you could tell that all that all that they were facing was a lot of heart from. From from Lyon, who actually defensively did their best, and you know Thiago Mendes deserves a lot of credit. Um, had a had a great game as a leader. Gusto finally he tends to deliver in the big games and be terrible in the easy ones, so he's so very emblematic of Lyon. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you know Luque and Tagliafico had had decent games, but um, yeah, it's still it's still feel, you know it's kind of sad to say that. At, uh, well, I was going to say at Gerland, at the Groupama, you know, Lyon fired up, kind of lined up to go for it. And they did bring the fire a little bit, but th- my reaction at the end of the game was, yeah, 1-0 could have been 2, could have been 3-1. 3-1 would kind of been a, a fair result in the sense that Lyon deserved to grab a goal. But, you know, it just felt like they were a class above, frankly, PSG. 
and and you say that when I watched the game, this is probably the best I've seen Lyon playing this mm. season, uh, which is which is concerning because they finally wake up game eight playing against Paris Saint Germain and, and they're not able to uh, to get mm. the the score despite um despite their best intent and despite uh, Lacazette um trying to uh, trying to score with his uh, with his newfound voice. If you haven't heard any of <laughs> Of Lacazette's interview, please jump on it. We don't want to laugh at it too much because he's got he's got like a nodule on the vocal cord, which give him a voice like this. We should do the we should do the podcast like this one day, Baptiste and me, as if we as if we had that. So let, let's not laugh at the, at the medical condition, but they are funny interviews. Um, but, but sorry, this brings us to the, the second part of the question that uh, Dieter had. Um, how much time will the board of Lyon give to to Peter Boss to improve their team? Context before we start on that. There's a lot of noise right now in in Lyon that um, Textor, 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 the guy yeah. who came in to, to buy Lyon, um, somehow didn't have the money anymore <laughs> to buy the club, mm. uh, and there was a, a bit of word around it which is being sorted. So I think before they even think about the coach, that's mm. the first thing that they need to uh, to sort out. But um, you, you know, when is when do we decide that? It's a failed experiment, and and that it's over. Like Juninho came in, that didn't work out. We get both in. There's an issue between Juninho and both. They get players supposedly for both, mm. but actually we get no. Now we get the old players from Lyon to come back. It still doesn't work out. Um, it it's a mess. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put my money on it. But if at the end of the international window there's a new coach in Lyon, I'm not surprised either. No, I wouldn't be. Although apparently the rumor is that he's been given onto the World Cup, right? And he has to be in the podium by the World Cup is what I've what I've read, and um, and so, which would sort of make sense in a way because you then you have a a new you know mini mini season prep after the World Cup, although it's going to be short. But you'll still have players, and you'll also have players who will not have gone to the World Cup who'll be there that you can you know you can drill, but um. It's not looking great for Bosch. It's, I've, you know, I've been very ambivalent about him. I think he's a, you know, he's a victim of circumstance because he's clearly doesn't have any control as to what's happening in the club. And that's not something you can blame upon him. Now, with that being said, just some of his choices and some of his management since last year but again has feels like it's been exacerbated this year is really highly questionable i mean i've watched you a couple of a few times this year the reaction time of bosch is just you know for me it's the is that you know he's the manager equivalent of that meme of the dog surrounded by fire saying you know whatever you know it's all good or <laughs> whatever it is you know I, I mean i watched you know i i watched i watched them against Haas where they were terrible and he just threw the kitchen sink at it there's no great coaching there were Haas were down to 10 he just put on a ton of ton of attacking players i don't think he deserved particular credit for that um he persists with certain players that, frankly speaking, I haven't seen perform. So the good, you know, everybody hates Toko Ikambi at, at Lyon. I've got to say I was a bit more generous to him before the season because, he, had, you know, you can't discount somebody who scores 
12 to 16 goals in the season, right? Um, Shepard is there. But he's but he's really poor this season. He's really poor. <laughs> and um and even players like in all honesty, somebody like Toriso, I think, has been brought into the into the squad too soon. I haven't seen mm-hmm. anything from him. Um so you know his his te- his tactical choices are a little bit all over the place. He's now he's gone for a four four two with two wingers, which seems like that's just happened overnight. Um, he's he's perplexing. Like he's he's in a difficult environment, but I don't feel like he's necessarily. I don't think you can objectively objectively say that he's making the most out of his squad. And so yeah, he's not doing much to help himself. Yeah, and so therefore, I think it's fair that. You look at the season they last had last year, which was terrible, and the fact that you know they might not be in the top five by the World Cup, they're now sixth, and they've they've played poorly in all games, pretty much. It is not, you know, that's not very reassuring. So, I think Olas still likes stability as much as he can, and I, I kind of feel like with Olas, he's kind of pushed into a decision to sack. He doesn't really want to sack, mm-hmm. um, but he he might have to. Soon. Lyon six on, on the table. You said it with uh, with four win, one loss and and one draw and three losses. The the victories that they get they get um, against Auxerre, against Angers, against Ajaccio, and against Troyes. So they are games that you almost you almost before the season you know that they're one game supposedly. Uh, and for Ajaccio and Auxerre, they had to. To fight hard to get them, they and struggled. then that loss, yeah, that loss against Lorient hurt them. Um, then they lose against Monaco, they lose against Paris Saint Germain. It's three loss in a row. They're playing against uh, Lens this uh, this coming weekend, and then at one point they're going to uh, to have a bit of a uh, a fun one with Rennes, Mona- Monaco, Montpellier, excuse me, uh, Lille, and, and Marseille. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look great for uh, mm. for Lyon, and uh, yeah, I think unless something happens. Yeah, I think between now and the World Cup, or at the mm. latest, like you said, at the World Cup break, uh, it might be the end of, of Peter both in, in Lyon. On the other bench, across from him, uh, was sitting Christophe Galtier. Christophe yeah. Galtier, full of promises, full of uh, of talks that uh, the era of anybody to do whatever they want is over, and it's turnover time, and that's how we do when we have stars. And yet, uh, eight games of, of Ligue 1 and, and I think two in Champions League. And Mbappé, Neymar and Messi start every single game. Uh, what, what do you make of, uh, of Galtier's um, management so far and, and the result and I guess what we see through the results? I think he's done well. You know, I mean, uh, you know, the results speak for themselves. Um, have they always played fantastic football? Not necessarily, but they have looked in control in a lot of games. And I think their formation suits their players so that's that's a huge positive compared to last season i i know what you're saying about them starting all the games um but you i feel like when you watch them and bape as much as i love him he's probably my favorite of the three but this is where there's question marks around mbappe's involvement a little bit this year but he's still banging the goals in but uh you look at messi and and neymar they are way more involved than they have been certainly last season, but even Neymar coming going back, you know, apart from Champions League Champions League nights, he's never really looked involved over like the last two three years in Liga. But this year, he's pressing, he's tracking back, he plays much simpler. Um, 
plays with a smile on his face. So I think that is a big achievement. And Messi has been, frankly, very, very good. I mean, could have had, could have had three at the weekend. <laughs> that dummy that he does, where he puts three players on their ass, is you know wonderful. It's kind of back to not back to Barcelona Messi, but little bits of magic again. So. I, you know, I think he's, I think he's done a, a, a very good job. Um, they all seem to be on the same boat. They all seem to be on board. They're, that's obviously easy to say when you're winning. Um, but you know, even the likes of Ramos. I mean, Ramos, he's not excellent every weekend, but you have to do a decent, some good management to get him back on board, considering the season he had last year. And frankly, if I were 35 after 20 years in the game being paid bucket loads and I'd just taken a year off. Maybe I'll take a second year off, right? <laughs> um, and he hasn't. He's shown that he wants to be a leader again. He's in, he's engaged. So I think um, I think he's done well. The, for me, the negatives for PSG, they remain the same. They're, they're still a bit light defensively. I think we've seen that with Danilo having to come on at centre-back. That's not good enough. I think Donnarumma is surprisingly woeful. Um, he's good on he's good on his line, but he's a bit scary off it. And um, and it's depth. I mean, if you if you lose Hakimi or Nuno Mendes, you know I like Mukiele, but he's not a wing back necessarily. Not in the same way that Hakimi is certainly. So it's 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 little things like that. But you know, for example, Ruiz started for the first time at the weekend. Looked like mm-hmm. he'd been there. More, more than more than he's been at the club and that's that shows good coaching as well that means he felt like he was ready and he gave Vitinha a rest so at the moment it's all working working smoothly yeah Ruiz and and Carlos Soler as well I guess we're waiting to see mm. I think offensively he's doing he's doing the the right thing in a way um Galchi I mean we we look at Neymar what was it eight in eight games it's eight goals and seven assists uh, which yeah. obviously can only be touted as impressive. Um, Lionel yeah. Messi, four goals, seven assists. Mbappé, seven goals. Uh, but I think you you kind of put the finger on it there. Neymar and Messi looks like they're, um, they're thriving. They're loving life and they're playing well together and they hug each other with mm. each assist. Uh, and Mbappé sort of sort of sits on the on the sidelines for, for a bit and it kind of echoes to a to a comment that Luis Campos has made um, in an interview last week. Great interview for anybody who, who speaks French or if you can grab a, a translation of it at uh, with Jérôme Roten, the former Paris Saint-Germain player. And Luis Campos sort of said something like, we didn't do a good transfer window because here and there we have two players at the same position. And he's saying that having Mbappé and Neymar is having too much talent for the same position, which was a a weird mm-hmm. one to throw in public, but it did. Um, and I think there's there's a bit of, yeah, Mbappé somehow is not feeling the groove that um, I think he had last year, probably because he doesn't need to, because he's got right now next to him finally some help and, and players that are able yeah. to to score at will and to play together well. And that's pro- that's where I think Galchi's, um, Galchi's credit needs to be given Um you know, I, I jokingly said, "Oh, he said he was going to turn over, but he's not turning anything over." If you know, if the top four, if the top, top your top three, sorry, can score twenty goals um, in eight games, you don't, you probably don't need to do turnover. You just keep them in, yeah. uh, and you make them play. What I enjoy about Galchi is that he, he says it. He, he's not shy of saying it. He said, "I'm going to turn over." It didn't happen, 
and then he explains i thought i was going to kill the game in the first in the first half and then and mm-hmm. then that i could rest them it didn't happen so so they played a little bit longer but as long as the success is the, the results are here um you know he, he'll he'll keep it that way i agree with you it's the same the same the same issues that we had last year um defensively they haven't recruited anybody i mean i'm assuming that at the world cup break they might get screen because otherwise it's going to live on the free at the end of the year so i'm sure inter yeah. would be happy to get some money for it um hopefully donnarumma um yeah does doesn't remain a liability because although mm. he did he does some good save i mean that penalty save last week was was impressive mm. uh, and he's got a couple to do against Lyon. um you always feel like when the ball gets to his feet you always feel like you're a split second away from another Benzema um, yeah. happened last year against Real Madrid. So so it's, I think it's not easy to coach Paris Saint-Germain, everybody knows that. Um, but I think Galtier is, is sort of making the most of it uh, while trying to um, not listen too much to the noise mm. of, of what happened outside the pitch and in Paris Saint-Germain. That's probably the, the, the hardest thing to do yeah. um just before we move on to to Marseille because I want to talk about the two team as well um I just want to actually get get your your sentiment of what Luis Campos said um the fact that having both Mbappé and Neymar in the same club is a mistake because they're supposedly the same player nice boast <laughs> <laughs> you've got too much talent on your pitch that's they don't even play the same position. I think that's just, it's a bit cheeky and it's a bit, it's maybe just emphasizing that they didn't necessarily build where they needed to build. But I don't think it, well, I was going to say, I don't think anybody really contemplated getting rid of one or one or both of them. That's not true. At the start of the summer, they couldn't wait to get rid of Neymar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by all accounts and understandably so based on his attitude and his injury issues over the last few years. But um, I think they're happy now. They're happy they've got those two players. <laughs> why, <laughs> why wouldn't they be? I mean, Neymar, you know, I've never, like I said it before, I've never really been a fan of Neymar. I can, I've always seen the quality that's, that's not in doubt. Um, and he, you know, the attitude, I can sort of, so, sort of understand it on the pitch with some of the diving when you get kicked all season long. Um, but he never really felt, like he was really, you know, especially over the last couple of years, he never really felt like he was really up for it. Um, you can't say that about about that about him that now. So I think um, that comment, if it had been made at the start of the summer, more maybe more understandable. I think now it's just a case of saying we've got a lot of quality in places where we maybe don't need that amount of quality, um, which is fair. Whilst we need more depth and quality in other areas, which is also fair. I think that's the way I would take it. Yeah, I agree. Paris Saint-Germain also uh, is the only French team who is uh, 100% successful in uh, in European uh, Cups this season. They won against Juventus and they won against uh, Maccabi Haifa. We're going to quickly look at, at the, the other team and what they've done this week as well in, in Europa League. Uh, Nantes um, lost in Carabash. We said it after they had won against Olympiakos in the first game. Uh, nice was able to get a draw um, in Belgrade against Partizan. They had a, a, a draw in the first game against Korn as well. Monaco got surprised at home, lost against Ferenc Varos um, 1-0. Rennes, a draw against Fenerbahce after being up 2-0 and, 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 uh, and 20 minutes left. Unfortunately, they had one in Larnaca 
the first week on and Marseille lost at home against Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. Marseille and Rennes um, are the, the two teams that face each other as well uh, on the weekend. 1-1 uh, was the, the final score. Genduzi scored both ways. Uh, and, um, awesome. and Rennes, I guess, disappointing in a way, still that first um, start of the season, uh, despite a, their, um, I guess, their standard um, big win last week. Uh, then, then they go back into, into their woes. And, and Marseille, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Marseille uh, just after. Um, <laughs> with, with Rennes, they lose... Laborde, which is a player that I really like. Mm. They lost I like um, Aguerd. We, we've mentioned it. Uh, mm. They've tried to replace them. Now they have uh, six forwards that uh, I guess have not the same profile. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be unfair to say that. Uh, but are all fast false nines or wingers, but not really a, a number nine. They start they start young players. Um, Okochuku start on the weekend against Marseille. Um, Desiree Doué, who is uh, one of the players right, that is Heralded, yeah, what, what a name. Great name, what a name. <laughs> Desired <laughs> and gifted. I mean, what, what, else do you, what else do you want? Um, but uh, but there, there's that youth in Rennes that mm. sometimes feels like it's pushed. I don't know if too early is the right word. It's just pushed and it's great to mm. see young, start, young players coming on. Um, but, but very much like last season at the beginning for the first five, six games, they haven't found their groove. Uh, mm. and, and I think maybe the youth isn't the answer when when you're struggling to actually um get the results that you think you could get with the talent that you have um mm. this year it was a, uh, the other question that we had on twitter uh was easy the next talent the next one uh to to make waves i mean we know that ren is very good at getting them out it's easy to say kamavinga uh but there's been a few, yeah. a few more liam scahill was was asking that question uh well this year over the weekend just feels too too young to be ready. Um, mm. What did you think about Ren um, early this season? Well, I think more broadly they've made a commitment to playing playing young players because they have such a great academy. Why wouldn't you? Um, and it's a good way to ensure that you're financially stable if you need to as well. Um, not that they particularly need the money because they've got one of the richest men alive uh, bankrolling mm -hmm. the club, but they're, they're a sensible club, and I think. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously, like you said, they're, they're, they've lost Aguerre, they've lost Laborde, which I was, I was a bit, I mean, I love Guiri, but I was a bit surprised at that. They have a lot of depth going forward. I mean, Suleimana and Doku have been injured countless times since they've been at the club. Um, so then you're looking at four players rather than six. <laughs> um, I... <sighs> I, for me, I mean, <laughs> this is where it's quite, an, you know, the fact that it was Marseille-Rennes is quite interesting for me because I was really down on Marseille and I was really high on Rennes when, <laughs> when we talked about the season. I still think, that, look, I think they'll have a, I'm not worried for them. They've had games where they've dominated and they've been inefficient and that's okay because they've had a few new signings. It's just, just sort of settling in. But I think they're going to, I can imagine them having a run of games where they'll, they'll win four and draw one in the next five games and all of a sudden the dynamic is back. That's what uh, I'd say I'm hoping for them. I think that's what the, that's what I would expect from them because they have the talent and they've got the depth. And the more those players like Theater and Joe Roden play together, the more we're going to realize those are good players and and uh, 
and despite what Lyon fans might think, they are still relatively well coached by Pep Genesio. So um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't see, you know, I, it, I don't see the youth necessarily being a hindrance. I think putting those two youngsters away at the Velodrome is a tough ask for anyone. Uh, and that the injury to Santa Maria has more impact yeah. than people might have um, understood at that time. But uh, but the quality they have in the side and and their style of play, I think, means that they will they'll be okay and they'll pushing be pushing forward um, quite soon. I mean, interestingly, we get a feeling that they've had a bad start, but you know they've got. They've got 12 points. They're two points behind mm-hmm. Monaco in fifth. And um, they were desperately unlucky against Lorient <laughs> and um, and against um, when they, who was it? When they drew, was it against Nice? No, when they drew with Alemda, had that howler. Um, and they should yeah, have won that game. Second game, yeah. Yeah. So if, if you take that into account, they should maybe have two or three more points there. And then we're looking at their fifth with teams above them that might not sustain, might not have the strength and depth to sustain that rhythm. So I think they're, I think they're okay. Yeah, hopefully that international break will, uh, will do them good. Uh, yeah, Santa Maria off out for for four mm. months, I think. Um, yes, that's which, a big blow. Which through uh, Hugo Chocu in the in the midfield against uh, against Marseille. Uh, but yeah, Desiré Doué, if you haven't mm, uh, yeah. heard of him, uh, number ten, number eight winger can can play about. You know, he's born June 3rd, 2005, but just what does that say about us? Uh, anyway, <laughs> 17, 17 year old and 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 yeah. really talented and and gutsy. Uh, isn't afraid of uh, of of going at it. I, when I, when I say too young, I think um, you could see here and there that in the opportunities that he's creating for himself, which is the positive. Um, a player like um, you know um, whether you put Terrier or Guiri or or Kalimwendo in in that role just behind the attackers uh, would have made probably different decisions and could have been an issue mm. uh, for Marseille a bit more. But you know, kudos to him, like 17 years old playing in Liga uh, and not being afraid of of challenging a, a team that plays in the Champions League um, when they're not in Liga. Um, he is definitely one of the players to to watch. Um, the as far as I'm concerned, my jury is still out. As far yeah. as can he uh, can he keep it up? But I mean, mm. you, you said it right. Rennes is one of the best academies in Europe. We just saw Matistel going to Bayern Munich, uh, Kamavinga going well. to Real Madrid. They just like they feed them. Um, yeah. So so hopefully for Desiree Doué, he's uh, he's the next one coming. That's all the that's all the bad things that we wish um, <laughs> for him. Marseille on the other side. Um, Igor Tudor. Uh, look, I haven't said publicly yet. I've told you so. When we, yeah. when we did the, yeah. when we did the preseason and I said I think Marseille was going to go up because of the mm-hmm. talent and because even if Tudor can't do it someone else will um but they are undefeated in Liga uh, yeah. not the case in Champions League two two losses in in two games um and, and they've shown I guess a, a face that if if anybody who knows Tudor would expect which is a fighting spirit pressing mm. high um you know try, trying to to whether it's legal or illegal, um, putting that mental pressure on the other adversary that they won't go through you and either you get the ball or you get the player. But Veretout and Rongi are the perfect example of, of those midfielders that I would hate to play against because they, mm. their feet are always in your ankles. Um, 
it's worked for a bit um, and then it looks like it's getting stale. It looks like there's a bit of fatigue going in. And of course, when you're relying on um, Alexis Sanchez, 30, 34 years old or 33, uh, Payet's 35 um, to, to, mm. to be your decision makers up front, uh, well, fatigue will play a, a bigger role. You, you said offline when we discussed that you are impressed by Marseille when they play against Tottenham, a very good first mm. half, and then and then a red card early on. Um, do you think do you think they can keep it up? Do you think they can keep? Um, and defeated is a big one, but you think they can keep the, this series of results um, much longer in Liga? So first of all, I like the fact that you still kept your "I told you so" just in case, <laughs> just in in the locker, because you're not. <laughs> You're not 200% certain either. Um, no. Well, no. If it, well, first of all, credit where it's due, right? I mean, I don't think anybody expected that from True. from Marseille, considering this summer. Uh, you know, when we did our season preview, I kept harping on about stability, continuity, and things like that. They had none of that. And yet, <clears throat> here they are after eight games. They're, they're in the top three, and, uh, and they're unbeaten. So, you know, a uh, huge amount of credit should go to Ribalta, Longoria, and obviously Igor Tudor because he had to seemingly fight his players even before the season started, and yet, and yet th- <laughs> things are and yet things are going well. So you know um, that's what I would start with. Now, I think you make a great point: is how sustainable is this, um, and how really impressive have they been? So I think I haven't been personally very impressed from what I've seen in Liga. Like I said, I I thought and I did a lot about that. I thought they were excellent against Tottenham, certainly for the first hour and if it had been 11 versus 11 I think we could have had a very a good result there um, but from what I've seen from them in Ligue 1 is I thought they were terrible against Brest um, against Rennes they weren't very um, from what I've read they weren't particularly very enterprising uh-huh. and, and Vertu lost what 23 bulls in midfield uh-huh. uh, so and there are obvious and the reason why I say it's not sustainable is there are obvious flaws <laughs> to that squad. Um, one being age, as you pointed out. I don't think um, I don't think you can rely on those players for, for a whole season because tiredness is going to kick in. And the other one is, I think even players who are performing very well have inherent flaws that um, um that might that might be made better as the season goes along and as coaching coaching gets better. Or keep keeps being good, frankly, but you know somebody like Nuno Tavares, he's wow. great going one way, he's terrible going the other, and I know which one which way he's terrible, and that's kind of a big part of his role. Um, so and and yeah, so you know, great start. Um, I have some what I would like to think legitimate questions about the style and the depth and the sustainability of it all, but. Um, but long may it continue, hopefully, for for Marseille, and I'll eat my words. But I don't... I still feel in a good position <laughs> <laughs> for me not to have to eat my words. So um, <laughs> I, I wish I wish nothing more for Marseille than, than to be told I, you know, I told you so. But I, I still have reservations that I think are, are, are legitimate. Um, the- because even, I mean, how do you feel about the style? Even the style with, you know, get wing backs, good wing backs, fair enough. Um, but Genduzi playing really so far up, so far up, is he's not that 
he'll be good for the press, but he's not that kind of player in terms of maybe he will be, but doesn't strike me as the kind of player to. They need, and they're ever so reliant on him as well because he's probably the only one who, who can afford to put that amount of press for that long. And so if he's not there, there's that huge gap um, in, in the Marseille press and in the Marseille midfield uh, because then otherwise Verretou and, and Rongi are left to their own device. But I think what what is to me the most concerning is the, the technical abilities of some of the players. Um, we know that they have the ability, they're just not showing it or they're, or they're scared or whatever. But the amount of loose balls, you mentioned the 23 mm. balls lost by Verretou, but in the past three games, it feels like every other pass just doesn't go where it's supposed to go. Um, and, and that's scary. And I think the lack of sustainability, sustainability, excuse me. Uh, well, we're going to have our answer soon because after the international break, they play against Angers, then they play against Sporting in Champions League, then they play Ajaccio, uh, and then after that, it's Sporting, Paris Saint Germain, Lens, Frankfurt, Strasbourg, Tottenham, Lyon, Monaco um, before the break. So, so between there and then, we'll see if uh, if Tudor is all um, mm. is all only physique or if there's a little bit of uh, of real tactic um, magic and, and if the team can can sustain this amount of game, they have to win games in Champions League because otherwise the fans are going to get on their case again. Uh, and and yeah, having to play Paris, Lens, Strasbourg, Lyon and Monaco in, in Ligue 1 is going to be also um, quite mm. uh, quite of an, of an energy uh, energy taker there. So yeah, we'll see we'll see where, where they land. It's It's been a good start and it's been good to see that they get the points where they would mm. lose them usually. And, you know, Brest, uh, Nantes, Reims, those, those are games that they tend to to lose in previous seasons, again, even Clermont. Um, so at least they, they got those where they needed. And the same thing I think we said with Lorient. Um, if you get that many points at that time, well, you don't have to get those points back. So at least you're in the, mm. you're in yeah. the right dynamic uh, and in a season so particular with, the, with that two months break in, in the World Cup, months and a half break. Um, it's it's that taken, but yeah, no, like I said, no, I told you so. Yeah, no, um, no real sunshine. Still pretty cloudy in uh, mm. over the velodrome, and uh, and hopefully they, they'll uh, they'll keep it up, and and we'll both be uh, be proven wrong because I'm definitely not uh, not 100 um, confident. Speaking of of cloud and and cloudy atmospheres, Strasbourg. Um, yeah. I think we both expected yeah. more um, from uh, from Julien Stéphane. Uh, and from the, the club of the north east of France, um, but the only team who hasn't won yet this season, and after eight games, uh, five draw and and three losses, uh, they've only conceded nine goals. So so by all means, they are like I think they are like the, the fifth or the sixth defense in the league, uh, but they've only scored six times, and it's not something that we are used to from uh, from Julien Stefan. I hate to uh, to finish the pod on a on a sad note, but this this is uh, this is the last team that I want to discuss with you. Mm. Uh, what's what's going on? Where, where's where's Tomaso? Where's Ajor? Where's Gamero? What are we doing for them, Batis? Yeah, they're just inefficient at the moment. Um, they need to get going sooner or later because of how complicated the season is for everyone in Liga. But um, I think it's it's a case of they didn't have a lot of serenity during the transfer window around Ajok, for example, and um, and Jiku as well, and Jiku, and um, and and that's you know that's slightly carried over. I mean, I you know I watched them against Nice, for example. I thought they were good. They were similar to how they were playing last season. It might be 
that last season those fine margins were working in their favor and this year this year less so but um i'm not uh, i'm not overly worried i am worried um because it's the first obviously stefan's only been there for just over a year it's the first real challenge but they had an iffy start last season as well uh until he got his system in place it could be another case of getting he's talked about getting a new system in place um and it could it could just be a case of getting their their big important players you know firing again um certainly missing thomas at the weekend was i'm a huge fan of his i think mm-hmm. he's just his energy is infectious and he's smart and he'll grab you know 7 to 10 goals a season and he'll feed he'll feed the big guys so um that that for me it can that's why it sort of boils down to at the moment is just attacking inefficiency because i think the rest of the team the way like you said defensively the way they're set up still looks strong but um they just need to get the season going yeah indeed and uh, and they yeah they haven't lost a lot of players but i think that jiku and azok story uh, probably is something that is affecting them more than they they would like and the players that they mm. did get in uh dagba pierre gabriel still still not uh, quite there yet. I think mm. one player that everybody should uh, should keep an eye on uh, because he's slowly making waves uh, at Strasbourg. It's uh, it's Habib Diara, the 18 year old midfielder who uh, who is buying himself uh, a, a position in the starting lineup mm. with uh, with Julien Stefan and uh, and yeah, seeing him play, he is he is impressive. And I think when Strasbourg is going to have a positive run of form, uh, we'll we'll be back here talking about um, Habib Diara. Baptiste, mm. thank you. For, uh, for, for this hour spent with me talking about um, French football. Are you going to watch the French national team playing this week against Austria and Denmark? No. I mean, we're, we're at the World Cup. That's if, if, we ha- if we had serious qualifying to do and we were in a tough spot or if it were qualifying, yes, but Nations League is <laughs> I don't need that. In, I don't need that in my life. It's not an absolute must. But will will you be watching them? I don't know. It's early in Australia. You know, I got I got things to do, <laughs> a life to live. <laughs> well, like you know, if if your group is Italy, Spain, and and the Netherlands, sure. But Austria, Denmark, and Croatia, it's just a little bit less enthusiastic. Mm. When you, especially again, when we know that France before the World Cup, the games don't mean anything. Like They're, they're notoriously yeah. going against what their form uh, pre-World Cup is. And, and with all the mm. stories going on between what's going on with Pogba, now the injury of Loris. And, uh, yeah. I, I just Mbappé, want, Mbappé yeah, not M- turning up to the... Yeah, that's the exactly. non-story. But I just that. want the World yeah. Cup to be there and, and, and to have the World Cup. Uh, there'll be some league games, of course, after the international break. Match day nine, uh, we'll see... Um, Angers playing against Marseille, Strasbourg Rennes, which would be an interesting one. Uh, Paris Saint Germain Nice, another one that that's worth uh, the detour. Uh, Lorient Lille, Toulouse Montpellier, Auxerre Brest, uh, Troyes against Reims, Ajaccio against Clermont, Monaco against Nantes, and and Lens against Lyon. And I think by then France will have changed their clock, so so the time will be a bit uh, kinder to to me here in Australia. And as we said, I will be the one changing our clocks, and all of a sudden. Uh, it's 7 a.m. when I watch football, and it's much better. Um, but, but I'm looking forward to that that second part of Ligue 1, seven games only before the World Cup, and then mm. and then a big break and and potentially a whole rush of all of the 
of the season. That's that's why this uh, this 22-23 uh, season league is so um, interesting. Baptiste, um, what what's going on with the the classic pod? Any anything that we need to to know about on on your podcasts? Yeah, it's been a bit slow at the moment. Just life has life has taken over. We um, too much holidays. Yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Um, no, we we're gonna do. We're gonna continue our. We're gonna finish our top fifty French Premier League players. We just need to release them. Uh, we're down to the top two to record, but we've we've done the other ones, and then we're gonna continue our, you know, sort of mini Tour de France of looking at the various uh, regions of France and their and their clubs and where they sort of fit. Uh, into French football, so we we had our first episode on on La Bretagne, Brittany, which is uh, you know kind of like the northwest of England for for football clubs, if I can put it that way. Uh, real identity, lots of fun clubs like FC Lorient and Rennes and Brest uh, and Nantes, and and you know big history um, for for Ligue 1. So we'll we'll do that with a with another region which is a more fiery one i think we're looking at corsica next so um yeah that's that's to look out for that that, that i'm looking forward to yeah Brittany, <laughs> there's there's a lot, a lot to do but yeah corsica is a is a fun one to by all means read um but just amazing threads on uh, on le classic but as well on twitter there's a lot of a lot of good content out there uh but just thank you so much again for for coming on to casse les lignes uh and, and i just can't wait to uh, to have another episode with you. Uh, th thanks for making time for us. No, thanks. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks, everyone. And thank you for listening. Uh, rate, subscribe, comment, ask your questions. Uh, and we will see you again uh, either next week if something crazy has happened with the French national team. Otherwise, in a, in a couple of weeks for another league episode. Ciao, ciao. Merci. <laughs>